Hello, and welcome to Quest, a vineyard church where we experience life as friends with faith through encountering God, loving others, and making a difference in our community. If you're new, there will be information at the end of this podcast where you can plug into Quest in person or online. Now let's dive into this week's teaching. Now, today's message, I actually, the reason I want our high school students and our graduates in here today, because I think this is a perfect message for any graduating senior. And, and, and I think it's, it's good for all of us, but especially good for them. And if you've been following along with us over the last few weeks of this uh, sermon series, Full Life, Full Heart, then you'll notice that today's message does take a, a little bit of a timeline jog. We're going to step out of David's life timeline and fast forward just a little bit. We're doing this because we think that this is a great message for graduating seniors. We wanted to share this message today uh, so they could hear it. And so um, if you're one of those folks who pays attention to these things, just know that we're doing this on purpose. This isn't a mistake. We're going to get back into the timeline uh, next week and we'll get there. This, this is on purpose. We made this choice. So today, today we're going to talk about the near decade of David's life where he spent it in the wilderness. Last week, Ross talked about David's encounter with Goliath and how we can use his experience to shape our interactions with the giants in our lives. And you probably remember this after David killed Goliath. He found favor with Saul, if you know his story at all. Saul made David the commander of his army. He was given responsibility of privilege. He married the daughter of Saul. He became Saul's son's best friend. It's a difficult thing to say. His life, David's life, was really just taking off at this moment. It was a great season for him. In fact, there were songs that were sung about David during this period of his life, songs that any military leader would want to have sung about them. Uh, for instance, this is from uh, 1 Samuel 18, verse 7, which, by the way, today we're going to be focusing in 1 Samuel. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open them up, uh, read along with me. We'll be primarily in 1 Samuel 22 today. But um, here's this Psalm 18, verse 7. About David. And they sang to one another as they celebrated. Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. This is, this is a song that they were singing about him. And, and, and as, as he heard this, Saul became jealous of David's popularity. He felt threatened by David. And so what he did was he took everything away from him. He took all of his wealth. He took all of his family. He took his home. He took everything. In fact, he even plotted to kill David. And so David was forced into this wilderness he was forced to be on the run. And I, and I think I think every one of us at some point in time is going to face one wilderness moment in our lives. Many of us will face multiple wilderness moments in our lives. Those times of darkness when we, we have no control over the things that are going on in our lives. And, and some of those experiences, they'll be brief. Some may last years and years. The wilderness is different for every single person, but we're all going to go through some kind of a wilderness moment. 
I'm certain for myself that I'm going to enter into my own wilderness moment. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I am a youth pastor. I'm the youth and teaching pastor here at Quest. So I deal primarily with middle and high school students. And every summer, this is when my season ramps up. We go off to camps. We go on mission trips. We hang out. We spend a lot of time together. And every summer about this time, as, as everything becomes busy and chaotic, I, I get to that point where I'm find myself in a wilderness where, where I'm asking God, why, why have you put me here? What, what am I doing here? Why, why is this my existence? And, and, um, I can tell you, I can tell you there will be days this summer where from sunup to sundown, I'm going to be spending my energy, emotional, physical, mental, spiritual energy all day long. And I can't wait. It'll be that moment when I can't wait to get into bed the end of the day because i'm exhausted just so i can find a little bit of peace a little respite from the chaos that's part of my life have you ever been there anyone ever experienced that in your life where you're just ready to wind down to be done with it well i'm going to be there but unfortunately for me and this is where my life tends to take a little bit of a different trajectory than other people when i'm in that moment i will actually be in a cabin in the woods surrounded by nine or ten middle school and high school boys who instead of showering that day choose not to because they swam in the lake the day before darkness will surround me I'm glad I'm not there yet. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. It's a true, that will happen. Um, but anyway, joking aside though, these seasons, these wilderness moments, they come. They come when we least expect them. In fact, they're hard for us to prepare for. They're hard for us to plan for. You, you, they, they come like a freight train, the loss of a loved one. A diagnosis that changes your life, an unfaithful partner, losing your job, car accident, feeling unfulfilled at work and the things that you do, not knowing how to parent a child through a difficult season in their life. There's so many things that can create a wilderness for us, so many things that that can be distress for us, some great, some small. Sometimes it's When our character is exposed or our lack of character is exposed, our reputation is varnished, or that time maybe when when we just feel so distant from God, we can't hear his voice, we feel like we're in a spiritual desert and we don't know what to do. The wilderness comes. Each of us are going to find it. We're going to find ourselves lost. And I think the hardest part about wilderness is that we can be doing everything right in our lives. Everything according to what we're supposed to do, and yet it still comes. It hits. You hear it all the time, right? He or she, they don't deserve this. They're such good people. They they shouldn't have to go through this. They shouldn't have to face this. So, 
Because we're all going to experience this to some degree, we have a choice to make. A choice that will determine how we will end up on the other side of that wilderness. And, and I think all of us desire to, have a, to, to be in a better place on the other side of these dark moments. Um, but I think a lot of us probably don't know how to do it, how to get there. What, what kinds of things can we do to guarantee that we will come out better on the other side of that dark place? And today I want to give you some questions. I want to give you some directions to ask yourself when you're in the middle of those places, when you're in the middle of that wilderness moment in your life so that, so that you know what to do. And, and trust me, today, I am not speaking as an expert. I am not the expert. I have faced wilderness, and when I've been in those moments, I have failed, and I have failed miserably. I've had some success in those times, but today, we are in this together. So instead, what I want to do is I want to look to the Bible I want to look to the story of David because I know that this is an expert piece of material that we can study, that we can trust, that we can apply to our lives so that we can make it through those wilderness moments the way that God wants us to. So the question I have for you today is, will you come with me? Will you join me on this journey so that we can discover what it means to follow God, to pursue God in the midst of the wilderness and trust him so that we can become the people, the men and women that he wants us to be? Will you do that? I think today a good place for us to begin is just to look at uh, what David was experiencing. So we know that he's in the wilderness Uh, We know that he's lost his job. We know that he's lost his wife. While he's also in the wilderness, he loses his spiritual mentor. He dies. David has no home. He's got no money. He's completely destitute. He finds himself wandering around in a literal wilderness, living in caves. The only people that are around him are people who have been exiled from their own community. He's being hunted. His life is at risk. And he's in this wilderness place For the better part of his 20s, almost eight years. Now, I know, I know that David had moments when he was there, because we can read about them in the Bible. I know that he has moments in his life when he's there where he questions God, where he says, Why, God? How long will this take? How much more do I have to endure? Get me out of this place. Why do you have me here? And, and, and I know this, this is, I think, critical for us to understand about these wilderness moments. I know that not every wilderness that we experience um, is because God put us there. I do think that God sometimes allows us to go through wilderness. But I also know that sometimes those dark moments that we experience, we are in them because of our own choices as a consequence. But what we do in those moments is, is really important because this is true about every wilderness experience is that God will use them to teach us something. Every single wilderness experience, if we trust in him, if we look to him, he will use it to help mature us, to help us grow, to experience a better life with him. So the choice that we have is will we learn or will we fail? Will we grow or will we pout? Will we become more like God or will we stay the same way that we've always been? And and I know for for some of us, we often want to say, just fine, life has been fine the way it was. I wish we could just go back to the way things were before this moment, before this experience, before all this stuff that's going on. But when we do, what we do is we actually cheat ourselves out of what God has for us because God will use the wilderness 
to create for us a better life. So what do we do? I think the first thing that we need to do is we need to learn. We're going to look to First uh, Samuel 22, verses 1 through 4, to see how he lived in this moment. You can read along with me on the screens. David departed from there and escaped to the cave of... And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. I swear, all week, I was like, I need to learn how to say that word because I don't know exactly how to pronounce it. Adulam, Adulam. I just never got around to it. So you can pronounce it however you want. Okay. So uh, all of this... All of his brothers and his father's house, they heard it. They went down there to be with him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was bitter in soul, they gathered to him. And David became commander over them. And there were with him about 400 men. Verse 3. And David went from there to Mizpah of Moab. And he said to the king of Moab, Please, let my father and my mother stay with you. Till I know what God will do for me. That is an important verse. Underline it. Remember it. Verse 4. And he left them with the king of Moab, and they stayed with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. For many of us, when we enter into a time of distress, when our world comes crashing in around us, we're so overwhelmed by all of the stuff that's happening that all that we can think about are the problems, the, the chaos, the, the questions, everything that exists around us. And I want to encourage you in those moments, when you're there, when you find yourself there, to seek out God instead of looking at your problems. Allow God to guide you through your wilderness. Go to him and ask him for guidance. I mean, after all, what did David do? Verse 3. He, the first thing he did was he went and he took care of his responsibilities. The people that were staying with him, that were under his care, he found someone to be responsible for them so that he could get away and go be with God until God guided him for his next step. He was looking to God for direction. He was looking to God for new insight. He was learning how to live in this new reality, his wilderness. And I understand that that some of you may be in, in a long season of wilderness. You may have been in it for months, maybe even years. And it feels like because everything is out of control. Because everything is spinning around you and, and you you are just basically surviving in the chaos. That the idea of learning something new, of applying yourself in a brand new way is overwhelming. But what I've learned in my own wilderness moments is that it's important to begin asking new questions of God. Learning how to ask different questions I think is critical. It, It can't be any longer, how do I get out of this? But instead, God, what do you want me to understand from this? What, what truth do you want me to make a part of my life? And, and I've learned, and I think we see this in David too, I've learned to look for the emotions and thoughts that are unlike the fruit of the Spirit. Do my emotions, do my thoughts, do my motives exhibit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? And where they don't, That's where I recognize there's an exposure of my heart. 
a place where I am not like God, where I am more myself than I am a follower of Jesus. And that, that place right there, that's where I know that God wants me to learn. That's where I know that he wants me to grow. That's what I know that he wants me to mature in, that place where he wants to see change. See, God, God doesn't let us go through wilderness because he wants to punish us. He uses the wilderness to perfect us. The wilderness isn't a bad place. It's not fun. It's not easy. It's not awesome. But it also isn't bad. The wilderness is a place of growth, of sanctification, of becoming more like Jesus. In the wilderness, we're forced to look into ourselves and see the brokenness that's there. And, and, and we have a choice in that season to either stay the same, to be that same person, to, to, to live in that brokenness, or instead to learn from God how we can grow and mature. And, and I know that the world around us, it looks at these moments and it wants to focus on all the bad things that are going on. And so we're, we're honest, we, we, we then tend to do the same thing. It's like when a car accident happens, right? You hear the, the tire screeching, you hear the horn blast, you hear the crumple of metal, and you're, you just you turn your attention to it. You guys know what I'm talking about? You're like, well, uh, uh, what happened? I want to know. We are so focused on the bad. I heard a story that describes this, this draw to see the negative. And, and I don't know whose story this is, but I think it nails this truth about our desire to only focus on the negatives around us. There's this hunter who had this um, really special bird dog. And um, it, it, the dog was is a one-of-a-kind dog, okay? No one else had it. His dog was really special because it could walk on water. And uh, one day, this guy invited a friend to go hunting with him so that he could show off his prized dog. And so they're out hunting. They shoot a few ducks, which, of course, fall into the water. And the man orders his dog to go and fetch the ducks. And, of course, instead of going under the water, he, he walks on top of the water, brings the ducks back to the hunters. And the man who owns this dog, he's expecting a compliment about this amazing feet, but he doesn't get it. And so he's curious and he asks his friend if he had noticed anything unusual about the dog. And the friend replies, yeah, I did see something that was strange. Your dog can't swim. <laughs> yeah. I think our, our lives are filled with negativity, particularly when we enter into a dark time. The people around us, they focus on the hard things. They tell us about how terrible it is that we have to go through that. And, and I think that we do it too. We, we get into these hard situations and all we see are the difficulties. But God, he is different than us. God isn't focused on the problems of our life. God is focused on rescuing us from the brokenness of our life. Ever since the beginning of time, God has initiated this mission to rescue us from the hardships and the pain and the sin in this world. God is giving us a chance to be saved from the brokenness. So why would we not want to turn to him? Why would we not look to him instead of the problems that we're experiencing? We should be asking the question, God, what do you have for me to learn right now? David, David pursued God. David searched after God. David's heart ached when he felt loss. 
But he didn't stop in his pursuit of God in those moments. He was constantly looking to learn from God. And I think when you read through this story of David in in, in 1 Samuel 22, 23, 24, you see this over and over where David is constantly turning to God, calling out to him, looking to him for guidance and for direction. I want us to look deeper into the searching that David did. And, and so we're going we're gonna to turn quickly over to, to Psalm 63. This is one of the most amazing things that I think about the Bible. The Bible is a treasure, particularly the Psalms. And, and if you've ever read them before, then you may have noticed some of the headings that happen above the Psalms, where they say this is a Psalm of David. In particular, this Psalm 63, it reads, A Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. Okay, how cool is this? We can read through the actual accounts of what David was going through when he's being hunted by Saul, when he's living in caves and and he's experiencing all of this distress in his life. And when we turn to the Psalms, we can read about how he's praying to God. We have a look into his journal and his his confession to God and the struggles that he had and the way that he can pray. And And I think many of us, when we get into these dark moments... And we don't have the words to pray. We don't know what to say. We don't know what questions to ask. If you're ever in that place, turn to the Psalms. Read the Psalms. Pray the Psalms. Let them be your language that you use to God to search after Him. To allow Him to speak into the place of your distress, of your darkness, of your brokenness of your wilderness. This is such a treasure that we have. It's, it's a, a way for us to learn how to model searching after God, what it means to draw closer to him. So we're going to read this together. Psalm 63. Words are on the screen. A Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary beholding your glory and your power. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. I'll stop here for a second. We're going to talk about this in a minute. But just think about that line that he's praying to God. Because your steadfast love is better than life when he's in the wilderness. When David's life is on the line, when he's being hunted by another army, when he has no food, no money, when he's destitute. Your steadfast love is better than life. It's better than the way it was. It's better than the way it will be. Let's continue on. David says, So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. 
They shall be given over to the power of the sword, and they shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. This is a prayer that's so telling of David's heart and his longing for God. May we be like David. May we long for God. May we long to be so close to him that our delight is found in God and not in the situation that we're in, whether it be good or bad. Remember, David, he's in the wilderness here, and yet he still says that his soul is satisfied as if he's surrounded by wonderful things, rich, fat, glorious food, more than enough. And then in verse 6, 7, and 8, when David is awoken from his sleep by the worries of being hunted by other men, instead of focusing on them, instead of keeping watch on them, he looks to God. He takes time to pray, to focus on his refuge, to focus on his creator, to focus on God's power rather than his problems. How many of us? How many of us would benefit from getting our minds and our eyes off the problems around us and instead looking to the power and glory of God? Because God's power, it's bigger than any of our problems, right? God's desire for us is to be made holy. And it's in this time in the desert that we are made holy. And and David says in verse 3, God, your love is better than life. And what he's saying here, and I I, I genuinely love this because he's saying, God, your love is better than life. And, And he doesn't just mean the wilderness because obviously God's love is better than life in the wilderness. But David is also saying, God, your love is better than the life that I used to have. There's no authority that could be given to me, no money that could be given to me, no amount of riches that could be given to me, no kingship that could be given to me that's better than your steadfast love. Your love is better than any life that I could ever imagine. God, your love right now in this dark moment of my life is better than the life that I used to have when I didn't have worry. When I didn't have fear, I'd rather be here. Think about that. David's not praying that he'll get his life back. He's praying that it doesn't matter what his life looks like because he's got the love of God. When we cling to God, that's when we have a life that's better than any life that we could ever dream of or imagine. I heard a guy say it this way. God's love, it's better than any life that has no wilderness, than any life that has no problems. God's love makes your best day in your normal life like standing in line at the BMV. And add a teenager to that line and they got to get their license. Oh, miserable. We shouldn't be praying for God to bring us back to our normal life. Back to the way that things were. It's, it's, it's like when, when I, I read about the Israelites wandering in the desert. Their wilderness moment. And, and I, we read about them grumbling and wishing that they, would, they were back in Egypt as slaves. Like that was better than being on this path with God where he's providing for them and caring for them and bringing them to the promised land. There is nothing in life 
There's nothing in life. It may seem easier. It may seem better, but there's nothing in life that's compared to the love of God. Instead, instead, we should be calling out to God, just like David, praying to experience his love, wanting to stay as close to him as we can. So we, we seek to learn from God. We cling to him and his love. And finally, we don't try to leave the wilderness too early. And I think this is probably the hardest part of the wilderness moment. Knowing that we should stay there until the work that God wants to do in our life is complete. See, David, he didn't take the easy way out. He had an opportunity to, but he wasn't looking for a quick fix. He was only looking to God. And we we read about this interesting interaction between David and Saul in 1 Samuel 24. And I I love this part of the story. I think it's uh, fantastic. I'm going to read this together. When Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, Behold, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. When Saul took, uh, then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all of Israel, and he went to seek David and his men in front of the wild goat's rocks. And he came to the sheepfolds by the way where there was a cave, and Saul went in to relieve himself. It's exactly what it sounds like, folks. Now David and his men, they were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave, the very cave where Saul was doing his business. And the men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. And then David arose. And he stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Listen to this, though. Verse 5. And afterwards, David's heart struck him. His motive was exposed. His heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. He said to, to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and he left the cave and went on his way. For David, it was a quick fix in that moment to kill Saul. It was a quick fix. He could be done with his wilderness experience right there in that moment by surprising Saul and killing him. But he realized that's not what God wanted him to do. Because he had been drawing close to God all that time, because he had been listening to him all that time and learning from him, clinging to him, when he felt in his heart that it wasn't the right thing to do, he knew that God was exposing his brokenness. And David knew at that moment that killing Saul was not the right thing to do. And if you read on in that story, there's an interaction between David and Saul. And Saul recognizes that David is more righteous than Saul. And this is such a, re- I mean, this is a really cool part of the story because what we see is not only is David in the wilderness being hunted by Saul, but Saul is also in his own wilderness. Remember, he was threatened by David. He felt like David had the potential to steal his kingdom away from him. So he was insecure. He was running from that. And he was going to take the quick fix. 
He was going to take the, the worldly wisdom way out and kill David. And I have to wonder, what if Saul was more like David? Would this story here in 1 Samuel even exist? If Saul had looked to God to learn about his insecurity, if Saul had chosen to cling to God rather than what he considered a good life, would David even be in this wilderness moment? I don't know. I don't really know. But what I do know is that God, for as long as he's been leading us, as long as we've been on this earth, he's been guiding us, he's been giving us direction, showing us how to handle our wilderness moments. And and for us as contemporary Christians who Jesus has promised the Holy Spirit to, we have access to God in a more profound way than even David did. This is such an amazing thing. So we are given this choice. You see, the, the world often tells us there's rational ways to think about our difficult times, about our wilderness moments. The world says that there's this earthly wisdom that we should be seeking. But what does that earthly wisdom actually get us? See, when when earthly wisdom shortcuts the work of God in our life, it bypasses the life that God wants for us. Now, I'm I'm not saying that all earthly wisdom is bad. But I am saying that we must be able to discern when the wisdom of the world might eliminate the work that God wants to do in us. For instance, if you see yourself in a marriage that feels unfulfilling, you don't feel satisfied or connected to your partner, but you think there might be someone else out there that you could be connected to, what does the world often say to us that we should do? Separate. Get a divorce. Go after that other person. Right? Or, or what about, what about when, when we've, what about when we have an unwanted pregnancy? What does worldly wisdom say to us that we should do? Abortion, right? What about financial distress in our life or significant debt? What does the world say that we have an option to get out of that by? Bankruptcy, right? What about religious persecution? What does the world say that we could do when we are being persecuted? Revenge, right? What about the goals that we have in our career to accomplish as much as we can? What does the world say to us that we should do to meet those goals? Whatever it takes, right? That's the wisdom of the world. The wisdom of the world says it's okay to take a shortcut as long as you get what you're supposed to get. But God says to us instead, do not be conformed to this world or its wisdom, but rather be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And if any of you lacks wisdom, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God to give you some. God who gives it generously. You see, Saul, he went for the shortcut. He was afraid to lose his kingdom. And so instead of looking to God for the truth, he looked to the world who told him, it's time to go hunt David, kill him, reduce that threat in your life. But David, David, he didn't go for the shortcut. He prolonged his time in the wilderness by sparing Saul's life. 
Yes, it was hard, but how much better was David's life? Because he stayed there close to God. Some of you are in a wilderness and there's a shortcut that you could take. You could cheat your way out, but what does it cost you? For us, our entire future depends on whether or not we're going to take that shortcut or if we're going to trust God to get us out of the wilderness his way and in his timing. So I want to encourage you, don't leave early. Don't take the shortcut because you'll end up shortcutting what God has for you, what God wants to do in your life. Instead, seek God's wisdom. Learn from God. Cling to him instead of focusing on the problems that you're facing. Let your wilderness draw you closer to him. Let your wilderness make you more like God. In the vineyard movement, we often talk about kingdom now and not yet. That's the idea that the kingdom of God is something that we can experience now, some of it. We can experience it now and we will experience it fully in eternity with him. And I think that when we are in these wilderness moments with God, when we choose to draw close to him, when we choose to cling to him, that's when we experience the most of the kingdom of God here on this side of death. It doesn't matter what's around us. Darkness may surround us. Chaos may befall us at every corner. Death may be near. But if we draw close to God then all of those things will pale in comparison to the glory of God that shines around us. This is what David was doing. This is what he modeled for us. He kept his eyes on God in the middle of his darkness, in the middle of his wilderness. I want you to imagine for a moment what your life would be like if you kept God so close to you that he was the only thing that you were focused on. That all of your actions were, were following exactly what God wanted you to do. How do you think that would feel? What would that be like? You think you would experience peace? Shalom? I, I think you would. I know you would. What would the world around you experience? Peace and shalom. Now think about What if everyone in this room, the community of God that's gathered here, who may be in wilderness moments, what if each of us chose to draw close to God instead of focusing on our problems and we all experienced the peace and the fullness of life with him, don't you think the world around us would be a better place? The kingdom of God, that's when it expands, when we trust in him instead of the other things that are around us. I want to encourage you today to allow the kingdom of God expand around you by seeking his peace, by seeking his wisdom, by seeking his truth instead of the darkness. Today as we close, there's going to be a time to worship God. And I think of when we sing songs of of worship, it's an opportunity for us to practice drawing close to him. A lot of times we don't have the words to say. We don't know how to communicate to God because we think... Uh, you know, our words aren't good enough. But these songs provide us with the words to speak. And so it's a, a chance for us to practice what it means to be in his presence. To practice saying those things to him. Celebrating his praise. And today, I want to encourage you. 
to read the words on the screen, to internalize them, and to sing to God your celebration of who he is and what he means to you. Practice drawing close to God this morning. Also, you may be in a wilderness moment right now, dark time in your life, and you don't have words. You don't know what to say or how to pray. I'm going to invite um, some of the prayer team to come forward during this song. And I want to encourage you to come and receive prayer from them. Let them pray on your behalf. Let them intercede for you. Let them seek God out in the middle of your wilderness as they pray for you so that you can draw close to him. So church, let's seek God. Let's draw close to him right now as we worship. Prayer team, if you'll come forward, if you want to receive prayer, come on down. We encourage you guys. Thank you. Let's worship. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon audio. If you're loving Quest Podcast, let us know on Facebook or Twitter by using the hashtag GoToQuest. For more information on Quest, who we are, and what God is doing here, or if you would like to help support Quest financially, please visit us at GoToQuest.org. That's G-O-T-O-Quest.org. Thanks for listening.